to the final Shocktober episode for this year. It is our Halloween special being uh, released on the day of Halloween, as luck and scheduling would have it. Of course, there was only one choice for this momentous occasion. Uh, I have covered serious horror films. I have covered not-so-serious horror films. I have covered good horror films. And I have covered Twixt. The film we are bringing to you today is an iconic film. One of the true cornerstones of modern horror films. The film that brought you so many of the current tropes of teen scream films. That's right, it is Halloween from 1978. A lot can be attributed to Halloween. A lot can also be attributed to the films came before it, but not quite as much as can be attributed to Halloween itself. Um, Halloween came out in 1978. It's predated by a few slasher films. Notable examples would be things like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Black Christmas came out before it. The, the film that really started those kind of films coming out was Psycho. Now, whilst those those films that came in between, uh, Texas Chainsaw, I, I've got big love for. Great film. However, I feel that Halloween did more to drive the next two or three decades of horror films than, the, than those films did. Now... There's a couple of important things to to remember when we're talking about Halloween. It's still, to this day, one of the most financially successful independent films ever made. It was made on a budget of about $300,000 and then managed to gross $70 million worldwide. Now, regardless of anything else, that is a remarkable achievement and one that is very rarely bettered by an independent film. It all came about the producers of the film decided they wanted to they wanted to make some money out of out of the horror film horror film genre that was growing in popularity at that time so they'd approached John Carpenter after seeing us on precinct 13 and said we want you to do a film where young teenage babysitters get killed the original title of Halloween was going to be the babysitter murders which is not quite as catchy as Halloween, and you cannot imagine them making seven sequels out of it. The script was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, his then-girlfriend, who they sort of split the um, the writing duties. Deborah Hill took on a lot of the um, female characters, and John Carpenter did a lot of Dr. Loomis's stuff, as well as sort of writing the backstory to Michael. So I'm not going to go... I'm not going to give you too much more backstory. You don't need that much backstory, obviously. Um, the basic plot of the film, I'm sure you've either seen it or aware of it somehow. Um, but the basic plot is young kid called Michael Myers kills his older sister one night and gets sent to a sanitarium and then escapes the sanitarium and starts stalking this girl, Laurie Strode, when he comes back home to find her there. It's all about... It turns into a bit of a kind of cat-and-mouse game and 
Michael Myers psychiatrist is sort of the to describe him as the hero might be sort of giving him too much credit I think he serves as I'd say he serves more as the machine that keeps the film moving he's the connection between between Jamie Lee Curtis's character and Michael Myers now the film sort of checks off all the important current horror film tropes that you would normally get gang of teenagers check got them all mate got all those guys in there an unstoppable killer absolutely check we've got the original unstoppable killer we got michael myers mate we'll be all right atmosphere none of the modern films have that so we've got that and they don't how about that and a setting around a holiday or a national event absolutely check halloween is the name of the film we've got them all covered the one thing that this film lacks in comparison to the more modern attempts at the genre is considerably less gore and violence than you would see in, say, something that came out in the last 10 years. Something that perhaps you would call the Halloween reboot from 2007. I'm not going to say that that's a bad film. That is for other people to say and they would be right. Now, the original film doesn't rely on gore. It doesn't rely on that. It's it's more about the atmosphere. Partially because it was done on such a sort of meagre budget that there wasn't really the room to get too gory. You had to find ways around doing things and cheaper ways of... Cheaper. Cheaper makes it sound like they cut corners creatively affordable ways and there we are michael myers is obviously one of the sort of big three horror film characters it's him jason Voorhees, and freddy krueger those are your big three freddy krueger has obviously got his defining features his clawed glove his fedora his burned skin his jumper jason Voorhees, hockey mask only from the third film onwards machete but sometimes he uses other weapons not consistent enough, Mr. Voorhees, and a jumpsuit or a work shirt of some sort. Michael Myers has got a jumpsuit and a mask. Now, the mask was originally a Captain Kirk mask that they adapted so they wouldn't get sued by Star Trek. Essentially, what they did was they kind of painted it white, spray painted it sort of a kind of bluey white colour, widened out the eyes, sort of made it a bit less featured. So, I don't know how many of you are trained in theatre studies and the use of the neutral mask, but if any of you have trained with Jacques Lecoq, I'm sure you'll know exactly what I'm talking about there. Now, what I like about this film is that it set the trends. This film was then responsible for the Friday the 13th series and the Nightmare on Elm Street series being as successful as they were. Without this film, they'd have had to do a lot more work. This film set the standards to which the next sort of 20 years of horror films were compared. And not really at any point did they meet the standards that Halloween set. You know, you can have interesting criticisms against it and say, oh, well, you know, it seems to be saying that only the pure and innocent survive and that you have to be a goody two-shoes or, you know, it's 
overtly a Christian film that promotes sexual abstinence or whatever. That's not really true. I can see the argument, but I can't accept that that's the entire message of the film. The message of the film also isn't about the youth of the youth of the day sort of getting more aggressive and becoming more antisocial and doing things that the previous generation wouldn't do. That's not really what it's about either. Because the point of the film is that Michael Myers kills his sister for seemingly no apparent reason. There's not a there's not a trigger. There's not really a there's not a huge backstory as to sort of him being brought up in a bad background or anything like that that would result in him becoming this way. He just snaps one day and that's it. And it's how it shatters the kind of small town mentality of, oh, everyone leaves their doors open here and we all know everyone's secrets and it's all fine. This film does away with that. And that's what works so well for this film. It is an absolute classic in terms of the sort of horror genre and the Halloween season. It's the one film that sort of sums up what it's all about. Because without this, there wouldn't be Friday the 13th. There wouldn't be Nightmare on Elm Street. There wouldn't be Scream. There wouldn't be any of the films from the last 10 years that have starred the same sort of six actresses in the main role. Without this film, there also wouldn't have been Halloween's 2 through to 8. I'm not saying that that is a bad thing. I'm just saying that is a thing. There is an argument to be made that I would probably agree with that this film could have been left as a standalone film. It didn't need the sequel, and then didn't need all the other sequels. It certainly didn't need Buster Rhymes, but my god did we love it when he turned up in Halloween Resurrection. If you haven't seen Halloween Resurrection, oh, you're missing out. He's really something. So, I think that sort of brings us to the end of Shocktober. Um, I haven't really said whether I like this film or not. I do. I really do. It is. It's difficult to decide what sort. Of, what what would come in as my favourite sort of slasher film of that era, whether it is this or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a slightly different genre to it. It's, it's still a horror film, but it's not necessarily. I'm. I'd be hesitant to call it a, sh- a slasher film. I would categorise it in something slightly different and probably will come on to that next year. Um, so I think that's where we'll where we'll leave it for Shocktober this year. And we've managed to end strongly on this and the last episode, which was A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it and please watch that film. And I hope that, you know... Even if you're not into horror films, you might have checked out one of the ones that I've talked about this this season. But I pray to God it wasn't Twixt, because that is bullshit of the highest order. So that is it for Shocktober this year. Now, there's going to be a slight change in the way that the sidecasts are being done. There will still be two a week. However, from now, there will be a... A theme to each month following on from Shocktober. The first few I enjoyed, but didn't really feel like there was any reason for doing them 
and it sort of felt like I was picking and choosing different sorts of films and actually what I'm going to do now is focus most month by month on having a particular theme so October's now over we're going into November I'll bring you the first of this month uh, of next month's films on Monday and that'll continue until December December will be my Christmas film month and then we'll go back into January with a new a new theme again with a new theme again so that's it for now this has been the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. No, it hasn't. It has been the Dinosaur Man Sidecast. With me, Alex Hudson, you can always tweet at DM Sidecast on Twitter. Let me know your opinions on the films. Let me know if you've seen one of the ones I recommended. And get in touch. But until November, this is Alex Hudson signing off from the Dinosaur Man Sidecast. <laughs>